Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into today's teaching, just a really quick programming note. For the first 10 to 15 minutes or so, my microphone wasn't working properly, so my sound is a little bit off. But the guest that we are talking to, the therapist that is on schedule for this episode, her microphone came in just fine. And around the 10 to 15 minute mark, both of our microphones are working just fine. But we didn't want to cut that part out because there was some really solid information shared during those first 10 to 15 minutes as well. So just uh, bear with us and thank you for tuning in. And let's get to today's teaching. Welcome to All Nations Aurora. Thank you. We're so glad to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. When we initially talked um, about this topic, you said that fortunately and unfortunately, I have a lot of experience walking people through grief. Why did you say fortunately and unfortunately? I think the, I'm fortunate to have been able to do it because for whatever reason, God has given me a grace to just be present sometimes. And I don't always know what to say or how to say it, but he's been really good at showing me or walking me through how to support people. So I'm grateful that as people are walking through their hardest moments, I've been able to be there even like before becoming a counselor. Uh, God was had given me the opportunity to be there for uh, people as they walk through some of the hardest moments. It's a special grace, absolutely. So you were getting questions in already because this is a topic that's on people's hearts. Are you ready to do this? I am. All right. So question number one: What can I do to deal with my faith wavering? When losing my dad within the last year is causing the grief, is causing faith to waver. First, I think it's beautiful that whoever said this, and perhaps there's more than one person who is experiencing this, because this is not uncommon. I'm grateful that you are honest to be able to even ask this question and to say that this is hard. But from what I've seen um, in the stories in the Bible where people deal with grief, the biggest thing that God wants us to do is to be honest with him. Uh, one of the songs that our worship team led us in was talking about how, God, you're never going to let me down. And as we were singing that, I said, man, God, you're right on time. This is like so appropriate because he really is. Um, you, you talked about how he, you know, those who are mourned, they will be comforted. God is close to the brokenhearted. And I really do believe that one thing you can do is to be honest with God. Sometimes I think we have a tendency to think, well, because I'm a Christian, I got to act like, oh, I'm good because we don't mourn like those with no hope. We got hope. But the real thing, the real truth is you're sad and it's okay that you're sad. It's okay that you're angry. It's okay that you're frustrated. Even if your frustration is towards God himself, as was mentioned earlier. Uh, And I do think that being honest and talking to God about what it is that you're feeling, how you're feeling, is one way you can do that. I think that, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this more later, but there's different ways you can express your love in missing that person. And trying to bottle it in might keep you from fully going through the process of grief. Um, But as you talk to God and express how you feel in remembrance of that person, it will help you begin the healing process. 
I think this is a good time to break out some of those strategies that you have as far as showing love to those that we've lost. Sure. I think for me, I think it really depends on, think about things that uh, remind you of that person. So for example, when I lost my grandmother, the next big holiday, I cooked everything that my grandmother cooked because it just made me feel close to her. It made me feel like I have an opportunity to connect with her and think about things that, I mean, just crying in the kitchen, it was so embarrassing. But <laughs> uh, it was an opportunity for me to do that. I think that uh, thinking about a song that might remind you of that person or songs that help you think through your feelings, um, if, you know, songs, they get it, that's why we, do worship, you know, but if, if there's a song that reminds you or a song that compels you to really process through your emotions, that's good. If you are a writer, if you are, you know, journaling is really good. Uh, I'll share some prompts later, some resources if you're interested in those later, but there's all sorts of things you can do uh, to express yourself. Creatively express yourself is one way you can do it. If you need to close the door, shut the blinds, turn on a song and dance to it, to get it out, whatever you need to do to get it out. It's similar to um, any other process that you're going through psychologically. You've got to find a way to heal by going through. Will there be a point when you would ever not grieve a loss of a loved one that you were real close to? Would it ever go away completely? I think the answer to that, the short answer to that is no. Here's why, it's someone you love. But what I will say is that you will see the grieving process come to a close as you begin to be able to talk about that person or do things or see pictures and it not just completely tear you apart. When you're able to talk about them more regularly and still kind of hold it together, I think that shows that you are uh, moving through the healing process, but you will never forget that person. You will never... Uh, not love that person because you love them. And it might be, you know, a sporadic or, you know, a random moment. I know once I lost my uncle and more than a year after I lost him, and he lived with me, so I was with him every day. Um, but more than a year later, I was at the grocery store and I heard someone's voice and it sounded the same way my uncle would say, oh, okay. It sounded just like that, and I broke down in the grocery store. Um, and it was, I thought I had moved, you know, I thought I was functioning properly. I had stopped, as I drove home, I stopped looking up at his window to see if his light was on, which I did every day for a very long time after he passed. But I finally um, began to heal. But even with that, there are moments where it just comes. And that's okay, too. Now, will these same type of strategies apply to the other forms of grief, like job loss, divorce, separation, things of that nature? Absolutely. I think one, I mean, number one, the strategy is just to be honest about what it is and express that. You might not have the same type of song or dance, or, but I think journaling is a really positive way to kind of get through that. Um, I do think having close friends that you can trust is great, but you have to be careful because sometimes friends, uh, I think it's wise to have friendship. But I do think that you have to know the difference between saying something to a trusted friend and trying to get free therapy from someone that doesn't have the skill set necessarily. And even if they do have the skill set, sometimes as a friend, I don't want to hear it. Uh, sorry, but I, it's the truth. And I think that 
you just have to use wisdom. But yes, expressing yourself uh, and walking through that. But even, I think, in situations like that, which I have experienced, I've had to pray and ask God, you are my provider. Your word says that you will not leave me nor forsake me. And because I can trust on you as provider, yes, this hurts. Yes, I'm frustrated. But I'm looking to you to provide my answer, to provide my direction. You are a lamp to my feet, a light into my path. Your word is. So I'm looking for you to be and to do that. And I think um, ultimately that in some ways is a part of the blessing of grief and what actually makes it good is that it gives us an opportunity to lean closer to him, to fall on him. Um, and there's so many examples where Jesus uh, walks us through that and tries to teach us to get closer to him, to be desperate for him, and to be humble and come to him. Amen. Now, grief hits people, different people differently. There's different lengths of time, there's different effects. So how do you navigate the grief journey when you get to a point of where people around you think that you should be done grieving already? Ooh. I say I don't think I handled it well. And I don't know if I do handle it well. So I'm going to be honest and start with that. I'll tell you what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> and then I'll tell you what. <laughs> I think that you have to know that your process is your process. And there's a scripture that talks about, um, I'll look it up in just a second because I, I have it saved here just for this moment. So I brought this up here. But um, there's a scripture that really talks about how everyone's grief is their own. And you have to trust that what you are going through is between you and God. And it will look different. Just like we have to work out our own salvation, we have to work out our own process. And God is individual and intentional in how he does it. Just like he speaks to us all differently in the way that we hear and our proclivities and the things that our ears and eyes pay closer attention to, he does the same way as we process through grief. And so in knowing that, you can have grace with yourself. And as you have grace with yourself, it helps you to be at peace with other people's perception of where you are. So you gotta do the work on you. You gotta be okay with you so that will position you to block out everybody else's opinions about your process and your journey. Yes, and as I say that, I understand that in that moment it's difficult because you're already going through. So how can you like have the strength to, to think outside of yourself, you know, to have grief? But again, I think that's where close friends or if you have a, a counselor, therapist, um, that is a wonderful person to help you process through and challenge you in a way that helps you see that grace is something that is for you too. Now this next question is good because I think it applies to the various forms of grief and I think it's something that automatically in a lot of instances attaches itself to grief and that's regret. So how do you, in the middle of your grief process, handle those feelings of regret that inevitably pop up? So in the Bible, when it talks about forgiveness, we often think that that forgiveness is for other people and how we are to forgive in order for God to forgive us. But what I've had to learn is that you also have to forgive yourself. 
And really, some of the root of your unforgiveness towards others has to do with your unforgiveness and your feelings of guilt and shame. And, oh, I should have, I wish I did this differently. Uh, and, and so, again, just reminding yourself of who you are and reminding yourself of whose care you are in helps you to better understand that, again, like I said earlier, grace is for you, and you can give that to yourself. Now, I will say that when I lost my uncle, I really struggled with that. I really struggled with thinking, oh, I should have done this differently or that differently. At the time, um, the counseling position that I was at was at a, a youth organization in Indianapolis, and I would be there late all the time. And I, uh, my uncle had suffered a traumatic brain injury, and so I had to care for him more than you know, most people who may be staying at your house for a little bit. And there were so many ways that I wish I paid more attention or did something more. I really wondered, you know, that, that day, God, had I done something different the day before? Like, am I the cause of this even? And those are real feelings. And I really struggled. I mean, really struggle with that. But what I think is that I've learned, what I think I learned through that, and what I hope whoever may experience something like that can learn is that God does all things well. He does. And even in the pain that I felt and the frustration that I felt, um, God does all things well. And again, it goes back to your trust. And I think every journey in my life I've learned, you gonna trust God? Oh, you don't trust me yet? Okay, well, let me throw this one at you. Okay, you gonna trust me yet? No, okay, well, let me show you this. You gonna trust me yet? And hopefully as we continue to grow and grow, we learn to trust God more because he really does do all things well. I know now and I see now that had that not happened to my uncle, I wouldn't be honestly sitting here, which is a story for another day, uh, but one of my biggest frustrations with, um, or my biggest worries about moving from Indianapolis to Chicago was what am I going to do with my uncle? How is he, am I going to find him a place that he can, you know, are they going to have, he went to a day adult care place in Indy, and I was trying to figure out, well, what in Chicago has that? How can I do that? And unfortunately, this happened, and as much as it hurt and I felt angry, I know now I can look back and say, God does all things well, and I need to trust that this was a part of the process and be grateful that my uncle's last year and a half of his life was lived in the way that it was, and I give, I give God all the glory for that. You just said something um, that I think we need to address further, as you said, that as you were processing um, the, the life of your uncle, you said, I got angry. I think that's a common grief response, especially if you've been believing by faith, if you've been praying, maybe you've been fasting for, for, for the person not to pass away, for the relationship not to end, for the pink slip not to come, and it happens anyway. You tend, you can possibly get angry at God. I know we're not supposed to say that at church, but it's possible that pain can cause you, grief can cause you to become angry at God. You said you got angry. What did you do with that anger? I sat on it for a little bit. And then the, the 
other side of the answer that I answered, or the question that I answered earlier about when other people were moving forward and expecting you to be good, I went back to work that next Monday, because you know, he wasn't a direct parent or spouse, so I only had a couple days. And I was so angry that everything was normal for them, and you know, senior leadership didn't do what I expected them to do. And I was just angry, I was angry at God, I was angry at the world, I was angry at myself for wanting to figure out how I can get to Chicago. Did I somehow wish this on? Like, what in the world is going on, you know? But I think that you, you asked, um, what did I do to process through that? Sorry, I got lost in my anger. <laughs> Man. I did. Y'all pray for me. Um, <laughs> I think that what really... Uh, what did I do to process through it was I honestly got real with God uh, and I, I got real with the situation and I started asking God how, what, when, you know, your ways are above mine, your thoughts are above mine, so how is this working, how is this, you know, what is this? Um, I think there's been other times where I've prayed for you know specific healing for people and that's not what happens um and i always i always used to get angry at myself first well maybe i didn't fast long enough because when i was 14 i fasted for a whole month and god did this so you know why ain't he do it this time well maybe i messed up maybe i missed a step but I, again we have to constantly this is going to sound like a broken record but we have to remind ourselves that God does all things well, and there is a time for everything. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about how there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Like, there's a time to weep. There's a time for literally everything. And in that, we have to remember that God is not afraid of our anger. God is not afraid of our frustration. Now, uh, one story in the Bible, David, when Bathsheba got pregnant and baby came, um, baby got sick, and David knew because you know Nathan had already told him David fasted prayed did everything and everyone was terrified when the baby finally died what is David gonna do like is he gonna like blow up like is he gonna be a threat to us to himself like what is going on and when David finally learned what happened he got up washed himself ate some food went and kicked it with his wife for a little bit and um you know part of the question was well what happened well he understood that even though this child came as a result of his sin and there were consequences to that, he knew that God was sovereign and that, again, God does all things well. What are some practical things that a, a believer can do when the grief hits? Because um, sometimes the pain is so palatable that you don't know what to do and you just end up kind of being overtaken at times by the situation, by the loss. So what are some practical steps that you would give some of your clients in order for them to uh, take maybe on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, that can help them along that journey? Mindfulness is a practice that is well known, and I think that that is one thing you can start your day with. Sometimes even in prayer, one of the reasons that uh, many people might suggest to folks that you start out with, you know, you let God know who he is and you begin to thank him. It reshapes your own perspective. 
And that doesn't mean that it won't hurt and you won't be angry. You won't be overtaken by the grief. But if you can say, Lord, thank you for the life that this person lived or thank you for the job that I did have. Thank you for what it was able to do for me. Thank you, God, for bringing it. And because you brought that into my life, I know that you will carry me through the next step, the next phase, the next part of my life. And so I think beginning with that, with gratitude to God for what he has done, for what he has given and giving him that proper place begins to adjust your mindset. It doesn't say that it will erase it. And I don't think you should try to say like, oh, all is well, because y'all it ain't. And it's okay that it's not. <laughs> but I do think that beginning with that is one very practical step that you can do. And then I believe having a close circle of people that you can get just real, 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 real with. So you can say the things that you need to say or even your fears, your worries. I think you should have a close, small circle of people that you can trust. Um, and as a believer, I think those are really important things that you can do. And again, finding ways to get it out. Now, for me, I am a runner. And so like, that's my way to process through things that I don't have words for. And so I think maybe the day or two, maybe the day after Uncle Todd passed, I just went on a long run and it was December and I do not run in the winter. <laughs> don't I don't do it, but I ran um, because that was what was good for me. I think that either running or going for a walk or something that for me, it's rhythmic you know, like it's a left, right. And for whatever reason, that is a um, very healthy and uh, psychologically, I don't know, it like resets me. Almost in the same way that when people tell you to really focus on your breaths and your breathing, for me, running does that because it gets me at a, a regular pace and it's helpful. In your opinion, why is grief counseling important? Grief counseling is important because it affirms to a person um, that they're a normal human being, that what they are experiencing is normal, that the anger is normal, that their process doesn't look like everyone else's. Um, there are, you know, the traditional five stages of grief. We've talked about anger, you know, there's denial, there's bargaining, there's, you know, but there's, um, the reality is that it's not like a, you're going to get to step one, then step two, then step three or four. But it literally can be any of those things in any direction. One day you might be fine. You might have joy. The next day you might be angry and upset. And as you are going through this and you're all over the place, your other loved ones, if, if we're talking about the loss of a human, um, your other loved ones are experiencing this too, but in their own way. So you might be going through anger while they're going through denial. You know, you might be, you know, bargaining, trying to think about, well, oh, what could have been, should have been, while they're having a moment of joy and peace because they're laughing about a good memory you have. And you might feel like we're crazy because <laughs> we're doing this at different rates at different times. I'm crying and laughing within one hour. Like, what is really going on? And so having a grief counselor gives you an opportunity to process those things and to be affirmed in knowing that you're normal, this is normal. And they also can give you tools to help you think through how to celebrate a person, to how um, to work through the healing process. I also think that grief counseling is almost necessary if you feel like you are never getting to joy. If you are, you know, you, you know it's normal to feel down, but if you find yourself just down and you cannot climb up out of that, 
then for me, a grief counselor is going to help you figure out how to process through that. And I do think that, and, and uh, Dr. Zarek talked about this a lot, God is in that. That might be your answer to your prayer is to have somebody process through that with you. Let's keep going because you're a therapist, you're a counselor, but you're also a pastor. So isn't Jesus enough? Jesus is enough. And by Jesus being enough, <laughs> he has provided all sorts of uh, gifts and means in this earth. And I believe that counseling is a thing that is ordained by him as well. So I think, yes, Jesus is enough. He's in all of it. I tried to trick her. <laughs> Gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> so you kind of briefly touched on this, but this is actually um, on people's minds because you've said it twice, the stages of grief. Can you walk us through, help us understand the different stages of grief? Sure. So this is kind of like what I was saying earlier. We have denial, which is typically like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. I don't even want to believe that this has happened. Uh, we have anger, which we've covered. And we have bargaining. And that's when you're trying to think about, man, like, should it have been me instead? Or, you know, what could I have done? Or should it, you know, how could this situation have looked differently? And you're bargaining, trying to figure out how things may have looked different or you have done something different to figure it out. There's definitely depression, which is a deep sadness and prolonged sadness. And then acceptance, acceptance that this has happened. And now I've got to think through my routines differently. I've got to think through my life differently. I've got to think through everything differently. The top part, which I've kind of I've mentioned this already, but the top part is, how the traditional stages of grief, we assume they look, we assume it goes from one to the next and how they progress. But the bottom part is reality. <laughs> and it really is all over the place. And there might be moments where you're, you're not even feeling any of these. And then you get on a stage and somebody asks you about your anger and then you find yourself there all over again. Um, and I, I think this is a great representation of uh, what these stages are, but also helps you to understand um, how they work in our lives individually. A different type of grief. How do you deal with the loss of a relationship with a loved one who has lost their ability to communicate due to major illness, but they are still living? So there's the grief of the, the relationship that the person is still alive, but they're not the same from a health, from a physical standpoint, and they can't even really communicate anymore. So there's, that's a, that's a whole nother type of grief that that person is experiencing. What, what's your advice on that? My father and his siblings went through this with my grandmother. Um, gosh, and my stepfather and his siblings went through this with my other grandmother, wow. Um, and they, one of them had dementia, one of them had Alzheimer's and as they begin to forget, it was very hard for them. Um, and some people, it became difficult for them to come around. Um, I remember sitting with my grandmother and having a conversation with her about how one of my first cousins passed away. And she got the whole story wrong. Because what she remembered was how, or in, in that mind, she connected that memory to how my grandfather's brother passed away. And I wanted to correct her, but she already know, and this is just specific to, you know, those types of diseases. Um, 
what I had to learn was that she already knows that her memory is going. And if I correct her, it further frustrates her own feelings about where she is. And so I think that you have to process this in different ways. Because, number one, you're dealing with the fact that your expectations for what this person is and how this person is, is shifting. And just like with any other form of grief, you have to process it through literally going through this. You know, I remember praying for grandmommy to be normal. God, you got her? If you heal this and you've you've done, I know you got this, God, come on. I'm going to, you know, I, I can't wait to share this with her or remember that with her. Uh, and, and although my faith was strong and it didn't fade because I didn't see her, I had to understand God differently. Uh, and so I think that really focusing on, you've, you've got to process through the fact that this is happening and come to terms with the fact that it's happening and then find ways to, through all the other, uh, examples that I gave before, find ways to process through. So whether you need to pray, you need to be grateful for the years that you had, Um, You need to be grateful for the time that that person gave you what they did. And now perhaps you can give this service back to them because they they don't look the way that they did before. They don't have the means that they had before. Uh, And so you're able to do that. For me with my uncle, after that traumatic brain injury, um, he had lived in homelessness for a while. So when he came for me, it was, I want to give him what he didn't have the chance to get from his mom because his mom passed away when he was only 11. My grandmother passed when he was 11. My mom was 17. And so for me, it was, I want to give him the love and care that he didn't get then. And so I really think perspective shifting can help you in that situation. I hope I'm fully answered. I really think it depends on the the type of grief or the, the particular circumstance. But those are things that you can do to process through. Number one, you've got to come to terms with the fact that this is something that is happening. Um, and, and still put your faith in God, depending on what you want to see, because God is a prayer answering and a miracle working God, and he can and will. Uh, but whether he does or does not, whether, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whether they were going to get burned or not, they had their faith that no matter whether he keeps us or not, we're going to serve God. Amen. And so having that as an attitude can help you as well. What type of wisdom would you give to people that are not the person that experienced the loss, but they are close to the person that experienced the loss. How do we be a good friend, a good family member, a good spouse to that person as they're going through this journey? One of the strongest things you can do is to be a uh, present prayer. Your presence matters. Sometimes just being there matters, unless they specifically communicate they want some alone time. Everyone processes through things differently, which is why this is like a, it's weird to give you like a concrete because it really depends on the person. But I do think that praying helps. It works. (laughs) It does. It still works. It does. It has never stopped. It will never lose its power. Um, Well, that's the blood, but prayer through the blood. Amen. Y'all know what I mean. But, um, it does work. And I think that what we can do is continue to pray, continue to be diligent, because what that praying will do is not only help uh, that person and allow God to move on that person's behalf, but again, it will shift your own mindset. As you are praying diligently for that person, it will help you to have a different type of heart as you interact with them. Because my prayer 
for you is going to help me know how to respond or not respond when you say something smart because you're going through a, a space of anger. Or if you're really sad, it will help me understand how to go in prayer. Because sometimes if I'm really, really sad, I don't need somebody to be like, cheer up, Charlie. Like, I don't need that. Now, if it's prolonged, I do need some assistance to getting back up. But if I'm sad, stop telling me, like, stop. <laughs> Just stop telling me to shake it off. Get, you know, get it. No, let me be here for a minute because I, I need to cry. I need to heal. Whenever we get scabs or wounds of any type, when we begin to heal, it hurts. There's a scab. It, you want to pick it. It itches. The healing process is painful, but I need to go through it in order to heal. If you stop me and have, you know, encourage me to be a cheer up, you know, cheer up, be joyful, then it could literally prolong or delay my grief because it's going to come out. But it could be prolonged or delayed um, because I haven't had the opportunity to fully get out how I'm feeling. So pray and be present. Now, you've given us the different stages of grief. How do we look at that? Do we use it as a map to help us understand where we're at in the journey of grieving? And if we use that, to show us where we're at, how do we respond to that? So if I'm in the first stage, what's my response to that? If I'm in the third stage, like what's my response to that? Is there something I'm supposed to be doing to progress through these stages? Yes and no. <laughs> it's really difficult for me to answer that question. I think it's good to have the awareness that these stages exist. It's good to have the awareness and the knowledge of understanding what they are and that you may experience all of them and at different points or you might revisit some of them. But I do think that um, it's okay to allow yourself to be wherever that is. But again, that's where if you need a counselor, if you're having a hard time of getting to joy, um, if you have a hard time with like you're in a funk and you just cannot get out of bed for days, then yes, you are at a stage of depression, right? And it's okay that you're there and you shouldn't beat yourself up for being there, but you should begin to rehearse either scriptures to God, praying or getting the help that you need so that you can begin the journey of learning how to peak at joy. Don't try and jump to joy tomorrow, but I do think that it's important for you to peak at joy, uh, to think and reflect on the fact that this is something that really is hap that really has happened, acceptance, right? And you do need to walk in that. And if you are a believer, you need to use your resources, your Holy Spirit. You need to tap into your friends, your you know your community, your life group. Sign up for them. Uh, you need to tap Good into. Job. Good job, Pastor Janice. <laughs> Life groups, people. <laughs> you need to tap into those things and it will um, allow you the space to grow. But give yourself space. All right. Let's keep talking about the journey here because my brain, I'm tactical. If I see like, okay, these are the stages, I'm going to try to strategize my way to get from the first one to the end. So there's a propensity for some people to try to accelerate through these stages of grief. Is there a danger and moving through this journey too quickly. There absolutely is. And it, it almost is a, um, there absolutely is a danger in doing that. And if we can go to the, the one on the forms, I'll kind of give you a, 
think it's the slide after this or before this. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, absent is the one on the top left that you kind of can't see. And that's when you behave as if nothing's happened. So this can either be that, like, I want to just rush through so I can get back to normal. Or it can be delayed, um, which is sort of like you're ignoring it. You're pushing it off. There is a danger to that because you are, it, if it's in you, it's going to come out of you. And so um, it is, I think that for me, it is a, yeah, I'm going to just say it. Um, Dr. Zaire talked about this too. But I think pride is, could be an issue. You don't want to be vulnerable. You're tired of crying. <laughs> you, you know, or you feel like you have to hold it together because you need to be responsible because there are other people that need to grieve. And I do think that God gives grace to some of us who maybe have to walk that, you know, get through the funeral and then after the funeral, after you've taken care of everyone else that's all, you know, right there, then you can breathe and go through your own process. Uh, but I do think that there is a very strong danger in not allowing it to happen because it's going to show up. It's going to show up in how you treat people. It's going to show up in how you talk to people. It might even show up in your ability to love other people. Again, uh, you lost somebody and you're behaving as if I got through it. Yep. I cried when they sang that song and now I'm good. Um, but <laughs> Afterwards, you're afraid to get close to anyone else because you know what it feels like to lose. You don't ever want to lose again. And so I think that it is necessary to walk through the process, however it comes, however it hits you, and it feels very uncomfortable. But we have to remember that we are the clay and the potter is going to mush, mold, pull, stretch us in the way that he sees fit. And we've got to trust that. And it is not fun. At all. So one of the tips that you gave us in like a coping strategy for our grief is journaling. How does that work? I've never journaled before. What does that look like on this journey? And why do you recommend that as a strategy? Why it works. Uh, it's a way of expressing yourself. Sometimes we don't really know what we're thinking until we write it down. And... You're expressing it in multiple ways because you're thinking it in your head, you're writing it with your hand, and you're seeing it with your eyes. And sometimes when you read it back, you're, you know, there's another form or another way that you are taking in this information. And as you write, sometimes it stuff just begins to flow. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, you can, you know, you don't have to get nice notebooks. You can do it in your phone or your notes. You can, you know, type it. You can write it on regular notebook paper, the back of a receipt, whatever you need to do. But I do think it's very, uh, very, very good for you to write. It also helps you to reflect as a person. And when we think about some of the books of the Bibles, our reflection, our journals, our, you know, thoughts that people are really going through. And they're giving the deepest, darkest parts of themselves. And you don't have to get a lock, you know, if you don't want one. You can burn it if you need to so no one sees it. But it is very good for you to write. I also think that even though I just said burn it, it's good for you to keep it. Because you can look back and say, wow, look where I was on May the 14th. Now that it's September 8th, I'm in a different place. Look what God has done for me. Just by being able to be honest with how you feel whenever you do right, to go back and say, man, God has done a thing. Because I remember when. Good stuff. Now, what about if you are confused about whether or not you 
are in grief, if you are grieving. When I, when I was in Iraq, I lost my ability to grieve and I didn't recognize it, right? Because I experienced losses back to back to back. Something just happened that I didn't grieve the same way I did the first time I lost somebody. And that went on for years without me even having the knowledge mm -hmm. that something internally changed in me. So how does one who is confused, a couple people have asked, I'm not sure if I am grieving. Sure. How do I uh, understand if I'm grieving, A, and if I'm grieving properly, B, after I just experienced this loss? Because I'm not sure. Sure. I think that how do you know if you're grieving? I think one of the easiest ways to see or to have the awareness that grief is happening is if you see a shift in your own behavior or if people notice a shift in your behavior. So if you're normally quiet and all of a sudden you're like all the time doing stuff, then maybe something different is in you or if it's the reverse. Uh, but seeing a change, a, a, a rapid change in behavior, and as adults, I think this is something you should pay attention to children as well. Um, and this isn't just with grief, but with trauma or anything that's going on in a child's life. Uh, when you notice that there's a shift in behavior, if they have straight A's and all of a sudden they acting up, something's going on. And it's not just you need to get your life together. It's what's going on. So I think any dramatic change in behavior is a way to let you know. And I don't know if that's something that you experienced or if you didn't even notice or, or the fact that, that there were moments where some things might make you feel sad and now you don't even have the time to feel sad because so many of these things are happening, I think is a, even that, even though there might not have been an outward change in your behavior, there was a change in your thinking about it. Unfortunately, some of us, um, as we continue to see, as we have seen, I won't say continue to see because God, please do something, but um, as we have seen the, the lost lives of our unarmed black people, I think for some of us, are, we're unable to grieve because we're losing, um, it's, it's losing its sharpness. It, it's not as, it doesn't prick us in the same way that maybe we initially did. And to me, that is a sign that you are not fully grieving what's happening because you can't even, or you can watch an entire video and not feel anything. To me, that is a very clear sign that grief is not being addressed. It is being avoided. And it, there's something that you should do in order to um, figure it out. And then your second question, how do you know if it's grief? And then... One was, how do I know if I am grieving? Yes. And other was, how do I know if I'm grieving properly? Understood. Okay. I think that if you... Um, find yourself able to express how you're feeling. That is a way to know that you are grieving properly. If you are unable to express, then that's different now. You don't have to express it the same way other people do. I am a talker. I need to talk to someone to express and process my thoughts. Other people might need to do it differently. You might need to write. You might need to go for a run and talk to God and that's it. You talked it out, just not to another person. Whatever that is, as long as you are able to express it, I think that that's a way that you know you're grieving properly. Um, but again, if you feel like it's prolonged, if you feel like you were stuck in a rut, then that too is something that uh, you might need to ask help for. But with any of those things, expression is a wonderful sign. So even if I'm depressed, God, I am not doing it today. But then my brain would say, okay, 
I'm not feeling this today, but I know you are God. I know you are good. I know you have a plan for me. I know that your ways are above mine. I know that you are going to, you know, bring to completion the things that you have placed in me to do. So God, I, I don't feel it today, but I know one day I will. Amen. You clap for that. That's good. Multiple questions on relationship grief. How do you properly grieve the end if A, you still have to be in contact with them, could be a co-parenting situation, or just it's over and I'm trying to move on, but the grief of how it ended, why it ended, is still very present in my life. I think this really depends on the type. If you are not a co-parent, then you might have to ask yourself, why am I in contact with this person still? If you are a co-parent, then to me, my, my mind says, how can I make this peaceful and to whom does it benefit? It benefits no one for you all to have a hostile relationship. It benefits no one if there are children involved specifically for you to bicker, to fight, um, quick story, my parents have been divorced for a long time. They both are remarried. God bless both of them. It is so funny. I found a, a letter my dad wrote. I don't know if you know that I have this. Anyway, I found a letter my dad wrote to my mom that basically was like, we don't agree about anything except for Janice. <laughs> and I appreciated that because they still do. When they talk, it literally has to do with me. They found a common ground and it's made it so that our family has blended really well. Like my step parents are cool, y'all. But um, it is because they found a common ground and they were able to say, I'm upset, I'm hurting, I'm angry at this situation. I am frustrated because I'm still paying for some of the consequences that happened during this relationship. But I am able to separate that and compartmentalize for the good of the person that we created. And because of that, I will learn to live peaceably. Because, you know, you got to follow peace with all men. Okay, amen. How do you know when your grief is starting to transition into trauma? Honestly, I look at trauma as more of an event. And grief, when especially if it's a sudden death, uh, is, in my opinion, a trauma. And the grief is more the process. So I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing. For me, I see it as the trauma was the death or the loss itself. And the grief is the process by which you emotionally and psychologically move through to your next. But if you find yourself in a place where it is prolonged or you are unable to see the light, then that is when you need to seek help. How do you support someone who is in the middle of their grief, but while they're in the middle of their grief, they're blaming God? So I'm a believer. This person may or may not be a believer, but I'm the light in dark places, and they're hurting. And they think that the reason that they're hurting is directly connected to a choice that God made and they're blaming God for the pain that they're in. For me, it's really important to, if I'm talking or having a conversation with someone that feels a certain way, 
the first thing I do is affirm their feelings. I understand that this is really difficult. I can't even imagine how this might feel. And I am so sorry that you are even going through this process right now in the way that you are. That's number one, affirm their feelings. Number two, honestly, understand that your process isn't to get them to Jesus and allow his strength to be their joy in that moment. Because one plants a seed and another one waters, but God is the one that gives the increase. And so I think after affirming feeling, it becomes really important for you to maybe ask questions and see how you can feel when somebody is done talking to you. <laughs> so um, you can feel if you're asking, you know, well, well, what makes you feel like this? Or, well, what do you think about God in this moment? Well, when was the last time you felt like you could trust God? And literally talk, like asking questions is a wonderful way to get at them answering their own thoughts and feelings and expressing how they really feel. And I don't want to tell you to play therapist, but in a sense, asking questions. Because the moment you begin to prescribe or to tell someone how to feel, they might shut you off. You have to be really careful with that. So even if you know the truth, you have to understand that those who win souls are wise. So especially if this person is a non-believer, it is important for you to stand firm, affirm their feelings, and begin to ask questions for them to just express themselves. And if the opportunity presents itself, then you will be able to say more. And maybe not in one conversation, maybe not in one day. But go back and pray about it too, because God will give you the right words. And I've had situations where there's something I wanted to talk about, wanted to get out, and I couldn't, but I prayed about it. And then it came up in conversation without me saying a word. Prayer really does work. And God is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we can't try to think masterfully about how the creator, our provider, is doing it all. We just have to trust that he is and play our part and not try to over-anticipate what part are we supposed to play. Just do what you feel led to do. Talk to that person, because you just said it again, prayer works. Talk to that person who's in so much pain that they don't even, they don't even know the words to say. They don't even know what to pray. And they've been praying all their life, but this pain has almost caused intercessory amnesia. They don't know the words. They don't even feel like the urge to. They just feel numb. How do I use that powerful tool of prayer right in the midst of the powerful pain that I feel? Our spirit makes intercession for us if we allow it to. Sometimes we don't have the words. We can't comprehend and our spirit can do that. But we also know that there's power in those when one has fallen or one is low, there is power in those who are a part of their community, their faith community that can pray, can lay hands, can build up, can encourage, um, encourage one another as you are already doing. I think it says, I think that's one of the Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, first or second, y'all, somebody look it up. But anyways, in that scripture, it talks about continue to encourage each other as you already are doing. And so there might be a moment where you don't have it. And that's when your trusted 
uh, group, your family, your prayer partner, who, whomever it is, can intercede on your behalf and begin to ask God to break those yokes. Um, I believe that it can be done. I believe that it has been happening for many of you all week. Um, yeah. And I, I do believe that there's power in that. But if you have nothing else to say and it's just you and you feel like you can't share, you can't get it out, just cry out. Just let them have it. The, the Canaanite woman that came to Jesus and her daughter was really sick. This isn't, the daughter didn't die, so it's not that type of group. But she was so, Jesus, do something about my daughter. And he was like, you mean I'm supposed to give you this? This bread, this ain't for you. And she could have said, because I know myself and my human self would have been like, you just call me a pig? No, I'm good. I don't want what you got. I know you the healer and all that. I don't even want it. You good. You can have it, God. <laughs> but instead, she took that pride off and said, but I need this. We can the, Even the crumbs that fall off the table, can that be something? Can we use that? And I think that it is moments like that where we can look at the humility of this woman. Because, whoo, can you imagine somebody saying that this ain't for you? Because you, Anyway, but if you can imagine the humility that it took for her to say that and then for Jesus to say, you know what, I'm going to heal because of your faith, because of your humility, because of your response, because of your persistence. And I think that our spirit can do that. But we have to put ourselves in a situation that said, God, I have nothing. I am nothing. If you don't come and heal, I won't be healed. If you don't come and turn this around, it's not going to happen. And we can't logically figure it out. And some things were brilliant. God created us as brilliant people, but there's some things we just cannot do alone. And we have to call upon that spirit to meet us, to pick us up, to push us into the healing process. We also have to be unafraid to walk through the journey that is grief because it is good. It, it is. It is good. Can we put our hands together for Shanice Fleming? Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.